It's good to see you all here this morning, and what a lovely Christmas presentation from our children. Really great. And I, uh, I have this verse at the end of my sermon this morning in Luke chapter 18, 16 through 17, it says, But Jesus called for them, saying, Permit the children to come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. That's a perfect picture that our children are getting a grasp of what Christmas really is about and who is it that we should be focused on. So let's open up in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. Thank you so much that you love the children so much that you recorded in in the word of God. And with your disciples, you emphasized how important they are to you. Lord, help us to be uh, diligent as parents to bring up our children, bringing glory to your name, helping them know you, and that we continue to pass on the message from generation to generation. Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit would fill my heart and soul and that I would present this message with clarity and help encourage many people here to Strengthen their faith, strengthen their walk as we look at the Christmas story, a story of miracles and wonders created all by you. Lord, uh, prepare our hearts and minds to receive this truth in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to pick up where I left off in Luke chapter 1, if you'd like to turn there. and We will be carrying on from verse 34. But while you're turning there, I just want to share a little quote from a friend of mine that I've been following his ministry in his country. He's... uh, Really fights the good fight. He's passionate. He uh, loves the Lord and getting the gospel out. And he visited America. So I want to read this to you as we had Missions Week last Sunday. And it's not just me that sees it like this. Listen to this man's words about America. It says, We have just returned from the USA, where once again we saw the Lord Jesus Christ move tremendously in a wonderful nation. He's talking about America. God has given us such a heart for the people of the USA at this time. We need to pray much for the U.S. nation, a country that has given so much to the world, which you continue to do. We need to pray for them and love them as they continue to stand unashamedly as a nation for Christ. So when a lot of you think about it and you're looking around and you think this country is going downhill. Look again. Look beyond your boundaries and see what a nation looks like without Christ. God is very much active here, very alive. We need to stand with them and stop pointing fingers. Let us roll up our sleeves and get stuck in. We cannot wait for two, I cannot wait for 2014 to see what God is going to do in the USA. You are a nation that the whole world is watching. And they know that what God has done the work here. And they can see this. We need to stand firm. We need to fight the good fight as we went through in Timothy. It's important for us to realize that God is present. He is active. The question is, how active are you with the Lord? So, I want to recap a little bit from uh, before we start at verse 34. And again... By design, I'm going to have to turn around. The screen's disappeared in the box there. Can you go to the next slide there, guys? Me. 
And I, as I studied more and more and reread this Christmas story, I kept coming back to these pictures. Just look at those babies. We're designed for a purpose as well. We are all here by design by the Creator God for a purpose. Isaiah 43, 1 says, But now, thus says the Lord, your Creator, O Jacob, and He who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. You are His. Isaiah 44, 2 says, Thus says the Lord who made you and formed you from the womb. Who will help you? Do not fear. Luke, Luke's work reveals what God accomplished through Jesus Christ in sinners' lives. God is continuing to work in our lives to reach sinners today. The opening of Luke's narrative finds Israel in the midst of a long spiritual darkness. The people had not heard a prophetic word for 400 years. Not since Malachi. In Malachi chapter 3 verse 1 it says, Behold, I am going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. In Luke chapter 1 verse 17 it says, It is he who will go as a forerunner before him. So think about that. The more I read that over and over, John the Baptist has come as the forerunner to prepare the way for the people to receive Jesus Christ when he comes, makes himself known. So what are we today? As believers of Jesus Christ. We're filled with His Spirit. Are we not the forerunners of reminding people that Christ is coming again? He is returning for His saints. Do we talk about that? Do we tell people that Christ is going to return? They didn't at this time. They didn't even recognize what was coming about. Luke then moves on to Mary's visit with Gabriel. We see Mary perplexed at this encounter with God. God's angel appears to her. She's perplexed. It seems such a word that doesn't really have enough impact. Could you imagine standing face to face with Gabriel? And he says, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you in verse 28. And if that was not enough to shock her, Gabriel goes on to tell her, she will conceive in, your, in her womb and bear a son, and you shall call him Jesus. She will conceive Jesus in a womb. Look at these pictures. This is also fulfilling prophecy in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. It says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and, you sh hell, sorry, and sh she will call his name Emmanuel. God is with us. This is already spoken of. Gabriel goes on to tell Mary that Jesus will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. You see, Mary and Joseph were descendants of David. Who reigned some 950 years earlier. So how much do you think Mary and Joseph knew about this? 950 years ago. And then we have a 400-year silence of God's activity and His Word. As we continue through this Christmas story, I want to remind you, this is not a fairy tale. This is not just a story that's quite interesting and it builds up for Christmas. Because I think somewhere we've gone and lost the whole picture of Christmas. 
What is it really about? Miracles. That's what it's about. Listen to what the word is recorded. Listen to what it says. It's a time of absolute miracles. We have angels. An angel visited. Promises made. Two miracles happen. The Holy Spirit filling people. Even in the womb. Babies know what's going on. The birth of John. And he knows his purpose as well. The birth of Jesus. The God-man. This is what Christmas is about. And how do we emphasize this? How do we talk about it around our family and friends and neighbors? This is the amazing love of God we're seeing here. Poured out. Let's read verse 34. Follow along with me if you will. It says, Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? Verse 35. The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy child shall be called the Son of God. And as we look at these verses here, we see Mary believed this promise. She really did. But did not understand how this was going to take place. And gently asked Gabriel to explain this to her. She's not unbelieving like Zacharias was. She's perplexed. How can this be? I'm a virgin. Think about what you're reading. It's a miracle. A miracle that's about to take place. And this young girl, as we look back at that time, probably was 14, 15. She was young. She hasn't heard anything. They ha- Nobody's talking about God's prophetic word for 400 years. The work of the Holy Spirit of God. The world loves spectacular things. God has proven that he is certainly capable of the extraordinary when you read this story. But do we still believe? Do you truly believe in the miracles that took place at this time? And that God is the God of the impossible. We see God often chooses ordinary people. He does that because what He does through them brings all the glory to Him. They cannot claim that they are able for this. They they did this. Reading through God's Word, you will see when God is going to reveal the next step of His plan. It seems to be at a critical time for Israel, and He brings about a baby. We had Isaac. We had Moses. Samuel. Now John the Baptist. And Jesus Christ Himself. We're all born to answer a time of difficulty, a time of need. When you are obeying God, you will find that your faith will be tested extremely. You'll be looking at that it's completely impossible what he's asking you to get involved in. It looks that that nothing could be done to make this happen. But the word says, nothing will be impossible with God. God is the God of miracles, as we see through these passages. In Luke chapter 18, verse 27, a verse that God has given me this year and has proven over and over in my life coming through with this. It says, but he said, the things that are impossible with people are possible with God. We went about the route of people guiding us to senators and different people in government to try and help with our visas and get um, involved with us. All people's work, and it all failed. And the last letter I got from someone saying, there's nothing we can do for you, just broke me. And Linda came into my office and said, why are you so down? Read your verse again. 
It is impossible, and that's when miracles come through. It's impossible with people. There I was at, trusting in that something would come through, through these people. But no, it came through God. He changed our whole circumstances to still be here. It's nothing but a miracle that's taken place. Mark chapter 5, verse 36 is a verse that God is encouraging me to encourage you. Look what it says. Do not be afraid any longer. Only believe. Do you really believe? Christmas is a time to really think about how much you really believe in the story of Jesus Christ. And how are you preparing the way for His return? If you rationalize what God is calling you to do, or look at your ability, your knowledge, or your resources, I can guarantee you, you'll be completely discouraged. You have to remember that when you trusted and believed in Jesus' purpose, and what He accomplished on the cross, you were filled with the Holy Spirit. And that comes with power. So how are you letting the Holy Spirit work through you? What impact are you making? Do you really believe in the miracles of what God did at this time? You have a resource that knows the plan for you and has the power to accomplish it. Gabriel goes on to say with verse 36, if you look with me, it says, And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. He's getting her a little bit of encouragement here with this big news that she's having to face. Trust God. He is God of miracles is basically what we see here. He has the power and ability to do the impossible in your life. Verse 37 says it quite clearly there for you. Highlight it, circle it. For nothing will be impossible with God. Psalm 33, 9, I love this verse. For he spoke and it, sorry, for he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. This is the God you believe in, trust. It is your faith, stand strong with him. I had a young lady work for me in Ireland for about five years. Wherever I went, she wanted to follow and come and work for me. It took her a number of years to really get to grip with the message, the gospel. I struggled to try and understand why she wouldn't accept Jesus Christ as her Savior. But she did. She eventually did. It was amazing. But then shortly after that, she got breast cancer. Quite a serious breast cancer. And she had to go for chemo and radiation and... All that just shook her world. So she had to leave work and stay at home. And for months and months I prayed. And I was thinking, wow, I wonder what questions she has now. And eventually one Wednesday after my men's breakfast, the Lord laid on my heart to go and visit her. She was out of hospital and at home. And she was standing at the door, behind the door, nervous to let me in. She said, I don't know if I can let you in. I got no hair on my head and I look different and strange. And then I said, don't worry about that. So we went in and prayed and we looked at the Word again and right next to her chair she had her Bible and a book that I'd given her to teach her how to read through the whole Bible. She had that at the hospital. She never once got angry with God. Her parents were shocked. Friends and neighbors that came around that she wasn't upset at all. And for weeks she was great. She was in the Word and that. But deep down in my soul I was wondering when the question was going to come. Why? And it did. One day she said to me, why would God let this happen to me? And I said, I really don't have the answer for you. 
And she says, but you know what the hardest thing is for me to get a grip of right now and, and following the Lord is the fact that the doctors told me I cannot have any children because of the treatment that I've taken. And I really wanted children. My husband wanted children. And it just took me to the verses in the Bible, what God did with barren women. He answered their prayers, their petitions, even in old age. And I said, look, we have to believe that if it's God's will to let you have a baby, He will. Let's keep praying. Let's keep trusting God. I remember driving home thinking, oh, I feel so pathetic, useless. But I kept praying. I kept believing. And I left Ireland to come here to Frontier School of Bible. And it wasn't about a month that I got this most fantastic email. She said, dear Wayne, I know you will believe this. I'm pregnant. She got a baby. She got another one as well. She got two. And I got the privilege of going back to Ireland with my house problem. To, and I got to see this baby. Big, chubby, healthy, good-looking baby. Fantastic. Got to believe. You got to hold on tight to the Word of God. We don't understand everything. But God's power is not limited. You can't limit His power. Verse 38 says, And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary believed. She was willing. She did not rationalize. She did not think what this would look like to Joseph, her family. It's not recorded. And I was thinking after the first service, my goodness, I wonder if she remembered a verse that taught me something in Exodus chapter 4. If you want to turn there quickly, you can, but I'll read it to you anyway. This verse, as I read through the Bible many years ago, this taught me, don't do this with God. Look what Moses says to God. Then Moses said, what if they will not believe me or listen to what I say? Made me think about it as I was praying in my office after first service. Oh my, she doesn't say any of this. It's not an ounce of doubt here. But can you imagine? How many times have you felt the Lord calling you and you go, what if, but what if? And not do it. Can't say what if. She didn't say what if. She just believed. She really believed that God would take care of, obviously, all these problems. Seek the kingdom of heaven and all these other things will come unto you. It's amazing, this Christmas time. It's an amazing story of miracles and trust and faith and belief. Let's look at verse 39. It says, Now at this time Mary arose and went in a hurry to the hill country, to a city of Judah. Verse 40, And entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Mary. Now look at these two verses very carefully. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. Oops. There. The baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 42 says, And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Here we see Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit and her baby, enabling her to know what God had done with Mary. Elizabeth knew how blessed Mary was and who is in the womb. And not only her, but John the Baptist in the womb knew too. 
Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. I remember reading this to you. This is a verse that keeps me entangled in the mystery of it all. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, listen to this. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. He knows you. He designed you. He's made you for a purpose. I looked on the website at Operation Rescue. There are approximately 1.21 million abortions in America each year. How we've drifted away from God. But the womb, look at that word, keeps coming up over and over. I don't think we should be tampering with the womb, with these babies. I don't think we should. Verse 43, And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? Listen to this. This is Elizabeth speaking. There's a baby in Mary. She knows it's the Lord. She's not even doubting it. For behold, when the sound of your greeting, verse 44, reached my ears, the baby leaped, sorry, leaped in my womb for joy. Isn't that incredible? These babies that are my two boys in my wife's womb, it just made me think way back there. I got to experience the birth of my two boys. God formed them, designed them in the womb. Incredible. Verse 45 says, And blessed is she who believed, and there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. Do you believe? Can you believe like this? Elizabeth is really emphasizing Mary's faith. She believed what she heard. Do you believe what you hear? Because you should. It's Christmas. It's the birth of Jesus Christ exactly as it's recorded in the Word of God by miracle. This is so important to remember, to believe, to have this faith. If you doubt, look what happened to Zacharias. I really don't want to doubt and become mute. Imagine me standing up here going, hmm, 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 hmm. God blesses those who believe. Abraham's wife, Sarah, laughed. And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Is anything difficult for the Lord? Genesis chapter 8, 18. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Going way back. And it's continuing. God's miracles, what He's doing is continuous throughout the Word of God and in our lives. We must believe. We must not be doubting Thomas's. Let me read from John chapter 20, verse 27 to 29 about Thomas. Verse 27 says, Then he said to Thomas, this is Jesus, Reach here with your finger and see my hands, and reach here with your hand and put it in my side. And do not be unbelieving. But believing, Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord, my God. Incredible. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are they who did not see me and yet believed. Blessed are those who can believe this. Because you believed, you will see the power of God in your life. Believing in the Word of God is very, very important. You need to be reading it, understanding it from the beginning to the end. It all links. It's very important. It makes it 
incredible. It makes you see the miracle because you know what's happening through the Old Testament to this period of time. If you don't know that, it doesn't seem such a big thing. It is huge. 400 years of not hearing from the Word of God. And hold is Mary and Joseph right now. So they're only hearing the story of the Old Testament from mom, dad, and grandpa if they're around. She must have had incredible faith to believe all of a sudden this happening, taking place. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I love what Paul writes here. He says, The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. You cannot let what took place before the cross to Jesus and then what took place at the cross. He did that for you. Every one of you and me. When you carry that, you've got to trust Him. You've got to have the faith. Now Mary is filled with joy and her heart is open. Let's look together with verses 46 to 56. Follow along with me here as we read how Mary is praising God here. And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For He has had regard for the humble state of His bondslave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and, the ho- and holy is His name. And His mercy is upon generation after generation towards those who fear Him. He has done mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. He has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, His servant, in remembrance of His mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, his descendants forever. You'll see the words in your Bible there. Some of the quotations are capitalized. And that's because Mary's quoting from the Old Testament, from Psalms 1 Samuel chapter 2, 1 through 10. She is magnifying God here. Not herself, God. And you'll see Mary says approximately about six times, He has. He has. He has. He has. It's all happening because God's design and purpose. He is in control. God performed the miracle. Nobody else. Nobody else can take it away from us. She is carrying the Messiah, our Savior. She had a good reason to praise God. Even though life from now on is going to get a little bit tougher for her as we go through the word on this. Verse 50 and 53 is Mary's including generation to generation with an important emphasis. This is a really important one to underline. It says there, towards those who fear him. How do you respect, what is the reverence of the Lord God to you? Verse 54 to 55, it says, this is for Israel. Despite Israel's condition, God will fulfill his purpose. This is all going to happen without a doubt. You can be sure of it. God will be merciful and will keep His promises to Israel. And verse 56, Mary stayed with her. This is, she stayed with Elizabeth for three months and then returned. So we know that Gabriel sent her to go and visit Elizabeth when she was six months pregnant. Now she'd been there three months. So she was there when John the Baptist was born. We see Mary stayed there and then left. Mary left to go and face the family, to face Joseph. Her friends. Could you imagine this young girl, who's now probably looking pregnant, going back with the story? 
That's one brave lady. And then verses 57 to 67, it takes us back to Zacharias' home. And we see another miracle take place. John the Baptist is born, and now they're choosing his name. And when Zacharias writes John's name on a tablet, and that's not an iPad or one of those things. I was going to bring one up here, but I thought I might drop it and break it. So this was a tablet, just a board. He writes John, which is completely different to their culture. It should have been his name. But when he writes the word John, his tongue is loosened and he can speak again. Right in front of all these people. Another miracle. God promised that would take place. So let's read together. Because now you see in verse 67, Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he prophesied at this time. You see the power that the Holy Spirit can do? Let's read together. It says here, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for He has visited us and accomplished redemption for His people. And He has raised up a a horn of salvation for us. A horn is a statement, a metaphor of power. In the house of David, His servant, as He spoke by the mouth of His holy prophets from of old, salvation from our enemies and from the hands of all who will hate us, to show mercy to our fathers and to remember His holy covenant, the oath which he swore to Abraham, our father, to grant us that we, being rescued from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people the knowledge of salvation. Are we not called to do that? Are we not to take this good news of Jesus Christ, about salvation. God has filled you with His Spirit. There's power in that Spirit. Are you allowing Him to work through you by the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God with which, and I love this description of Him, with which the sunrise on high will visit us. Isn't that beautiful? To shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child continued to grow and become strong in spirit, and he lived in the desert until the days of his public appearance. This is a time of year we call Christmas, a time of miracles, the impossible becoming possible. Angels, miracle babies we've seen, the Holy Spirit filling lives. This is a time of praise, prayer, love, and believing God will do the impossible. It is this time to think about these things. This is Christmas. But this is what Christmas really is about. This is a time of praise and prayer, love, and believing in God, doing the impossible for Christmas. Are your eyes really open to see? Are your ears open to hear God speak to you, God leading you, guiding you through His Word, through your answering prayer. When this was taking place in Mary's life, God's Word was lifeless to the people at that time. Their hearts were so hardened that they could not see clearly, and their ears could not hear from God. And when Jesus came to them, they killed Him. What were they doing with the Word of God at that time? It was there, it was prophesied. And they killed him. 
So, what is the purpose of life? To glorify God in everything you do and say and who you're with. Let's really celebrate Jesus' birth and look around to see God's miracles this Christmas. Let's really pray. Let's really talk about Jesus Christ and what it's all about. And as I read earlier in the where we started the message this morning, again I'll read from Luke. But Jesus called them, saying, Permit the children to come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. Are we hindering our children with the truth about Christmas? Because there is generations that I'm meeting that don't know about Jesus Christ. That don't have the word of God in their hand here around about us. This is the truth. Isn't that a better picture for our children to be around than a man in a red suit? So let's bow our heads as we give thanks for Christmas. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, your truth. We thank you for your love for the, the world that you gave your only begotten Son to us. Lord, we ask that you prepare our hearts, our minds, and souls as we draw close to Christmas as we look at what it's all about and not what the world is giving us a picture of, but truly what, the, what you say in the Word of God, the truth, the living truth. Lord, help us to be allowing your Holy Spirit to empower us, to work through us, to enable us, and to equip us to bring the truth, the good news, to our neighbors and friends and family and lost ones. Christmas can be a sad time for a lot of people too, Lord, and families... Remember times of hurt at this time. Help us to know how to forgive. Help us to know how to pray for those hurting. Lord, fill us with your spirit. Equip us, enable us. Let us see your mighty work this Christmas. And every one of us here would glorify your name by our behavior, our speech, our conduct. Because we love you and we are grateful for what you did on the cross. And we give thanks now for your message in Jesus' name. Amen.